So I always say stop focusing on the why and focus on instead what to do to move forward. So instead of asking why questions, start asking what did I learn um, or what can I do to move forward now? Yeah. Maybe what unrealistic expectations did I have? What positive change can I impart in my life for the future? What does God want me to do today? What has he told me and what can I do today with that information to move forward? Hey friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. This podcast is a spinoff of my blog, BrittanyAMoses.com, where I talk about the intersection of faith and mental health and how that applies to our everyday lives. You're listening to episode 11. For today's episode, I got to have a much needed conversation with my friend, Kate Warman, about how to heal and move forward from a devastating breakup. We talk about what's common to feel after a breakup, what to avoid doing that may be prolonging your healing, and how to own your story and move forward from a stronger, healthier place. Kate is a Los Angeles-based relationship coach, online educator, and host of the Heart of Dating podcast, a top 50 Christian-rated podcast. In early 2018, she launched the podcast to start a conversation and navigate into the murky waters of dating with fellow singles. Her mission is to empower both men and women to have the courage to own their story, walk in victory, thrive with purpose, and discover clarity and vision in their life and relationships. She now helps hundreds of men and women on their journey through the conversations on her podcast, one-on-one relationship coaching, as well as her online dating and heartbreak courses. Now guys, let's face it, breakups can feel like the most devastating season of your life, especially if you were deeply involved, didn't see it coming, were betrayed, or felt totally abandoned. There's no overnight fix to the layers of emotions we find ourselves reckoning with. But trust me when I say, this is the end of a chapter in your life, not the whole book. There is hope to be found and you will look back having reached the other side despite it feeling impossible at the time. So let's dive into today's conversation with a little more insight on how to do just that. All right, so I'm here with my friend Kate from the Heart of Dating podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks, Brittany girl. (laughs) So happy to be here today. (laughs) Have we got a topic for you guys today? You know what? And I've been actually wanting to do this for a while, but I'm so glad that I have you (laughs) to talk through this with and have this discussion about. So I've been getting a lot of messages and posts in our groups about breakups and Mm -hmm. how tough it's been and i know that this is a topic that needs to be talked about oh yeah most of us have been through Mm -hmm. some sort of breakup i've been through a breakup or rejection and heartbreak some level of heartbreak some level of it so it's definitely a common ground and I think it's about time that, that uh, we address it on mm-hmm. the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast. Yes. It's funny that I say that this is like my favorite topic, even though I never wish and want people to go through heartbreak and I don't wish that upon people by any right. means, but I think that it's an under-addressed topic in many ways. I don't right. think there's quite as many resources out there as there needs to be. And I think from my end, it's one of the biggest issues I see with why relationships don't work out um, because people haven't dealt with what happened in previous rejections, heartbreaks, breakups. Something you you do talk a lot about is dealing with abandonment, mm-hmm. rejection, uh, uh, and all of this, which is why you're here. Yeah. Yes, thank you for the work that you're doing. So Thanks, yeah, girl. tell us a little more. So yeah, I currently live in LA. As you know, girl, we're here right now. And I am a relationship coach. It's so funny saying that now because years ago, I just wasn't that, you know? And I'm an online educator, run the Heart of Dating podcast, which is a Christian podcast on dating. And the irony about hosting a podcast on dating is that I'm still single, you know? And I kind of love that though, even though it makes it very vulnerable for me. um, I'm still in the boat with everyone. And... I'm, it's really relevant to me. So I'm really developing all my interview questions because I'm experiencing it in this moment. Some of my dating history is I've dated for 15 years, the last 15 years. Uh, From 14 to 24, I had back-to-back relationships. 
And I ate up the attention from men, ate up the attention and didn't really know, now I know where that's coming from, but I just needed to, there's something special about the intention I was getting from guys and I needed it constantly. After that, I was in a five-year relationship and, um, you know, I knew halfway through that it wasn't the best relationship. He was a lovely guy, but I held on to it. Codependency kick in. I was really committed to helping him be the person I thought he could be. And while that could sound like a very noble endeavor, it is, it's terrible for the other person, for that person and for you, Mm -hmm. actually. It's actually almost worse for you than it is for the other person. Um, After that, ended, uh, I jumped into another relationship very quickly. And that relationship ended up being the worst relationship I've ever been in. And it ended up being a relationship of um, lying and cheating, manipulation, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, and eventually physical abuse and sexual abuse. And I was so caught off guard. I had never been in something that was that traumatic before. And, you know, because I have this codependency tendency, I thought that I could help him, you know. I was warped into the cycle of abuse. I was totally hooked in. And and I didn't leave that relationship for two and a half years. Now, I had a six-month stint of taking a break from him, and we were on and off for a long time. But I kept getting hooked back in, and my identity was so far and deeply rooted in that. And, you know, he was a narcissist, so there was a lot of the lies he was spewing towards me, a lot of gaslighting happening, and I ultimately believed um, that I was crazy. When abuse would happen over months, he would convince me that I made it up, and I would eventually get to the place where I actually thought it was true. I actually thought, oh my gosh, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't do that. Like, I must have made that up. It would be, the more and more time that passed, it started becoming this distant memory. I was like, was it a dream or did it really happen? And he would reinforce those negative thoughts um, and just continually continually tell me I'm crazy. Um, And believe it or not, uh, even the relationship ended and I had pushed away so many of my friends and family. Um, There were tons of lying. I was lying to them, but... It didn't end because of this crazy abuse that happened in the end. It ended because I found him, you know, talking to another girl again. Right. It's just so funny that not even the physical abuse could get right. me to leave the relationship. But at the end of that, I realized I was at my lowest of lows. And I recognized, like, wow, I push everyone away. And I don't even know who I am anymore. It's a really hard spot to be in when you don't even know if you love yourself. And I realized, gosh, I... I have to turn to God. This is the only thing. And I knew God was right there. And so I went on this journey for the next three years of seeking a lot of deep inner healing, therapy, um, getting really close with community and, you know, confessing things to people that I had never told people ever about. And, um, yeah, so I went on that journey, very pivotal time in my life. Eventually felt after three years like, hey, I'm, I might be ready to date again. And this time I wanted to do it differently. So I started reading books and kind of getting new information about dating. But I realized that there wasn't a lot of resources out there. So that's kind of what led me to where I am now to say, gosh, someone needs to step up and talk about this. And so for two years, I remember God was like, what about you, Kate? What about you step up and talk about it? I'm like, no. I'm not doing that. I don't want to share this stuff with people. Are you kidding me? Someone's got to do it, though. Someone's got to do it. And it was eventually after a huge heartbreak um, a year and a half ago I went through. That relationship, I'm sure we'll talk about it, was extremely healthy. Thought I was going to marry this man. Yeah. It was really after that um, where I was really seeking God so deeply that I felt, oh, my gosh, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the time to start something. And... You know, I had finally felt in a place where I had conquered a lot of different heartbreaks and a lot of had to go through a journey of a lot of different figuring out self-love stuff. And I knew I was still in process, but I, that's where I just decided to step up in the space. And right. I don't know everything, but I love sharing my story. I love encouraging people in this area to really seek hope and healing and have guidance and feel clarity in their dating life and confident in who they are. And, you know, I always say like breakups, rejection, I want people to get to such a place where it can prick them, but not take them down. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's kind of my my goal today is to bring more clarity and um, on the subject of dating. Well, thank you so much for sharing yeah. your story so transparently. And it's, it's kind of like the whole your pain, your platform mm. coming from your pain, your ministry yeah. coming from your mess, like, you know, all those cliche mm. things that we say, but it's really true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if you Like sh- badges of victory, like, yes, yeah, see, I, I went, went through, through this. this. Here's my battle wound. I processed yeah. it. Here's what I learned yeah. and I'm sharing. And that's what you do. And so that's awesome. Thank you. So for someone who just recently yeah. went through a breakup and is still struggling with detaching mentally, emotionally, you know, what would you say are some things they can do to begin reclaiming their lives? You know, that stage right after where it's just like you're still attached Mm -hmm. and sometimes it just feels impossible to uh, be normal again, have your life again, or you take a hit to your, maybe your Mm self-esteem because you just experienced a failed relationship and a lot of us project failure onto ourselves, something Mm -hmm. wrong with us. so yes. Just reclaiming your life from mm-hmm. that detachment and feelings of failure. So what's so great about a breakup, it's the hard crux of like it's bad and it's hard, but it's also great is that, you know, someone was in your life and you saw them a lot and you had a lot of emotional ties with them. And now that space in your life is free. Uh, And at first it's really hard um, because you're like, what do I do with myself? But it actually is such a gift because, you know, I just picture it as like seven days a week. Let's say you have three of those days with the person you're dating. Now those three days are free, right? And so it's like pockets of time that you get back to yourself. So it's like forced time with yourself. Um, So there's two things I want to recommend today. The first thing is to reckon with what happened to you. And this is actually kind of a concept by Brené Brown, who I love. Love. Um, And she actually says, when we deny the story, it defines us. But when we own the story, we can write a brave new ending. And I love that so much. So when we deny it, when we're in denial, when we don't want to deal with it, when we don't look at it, when we don't try to healthily deal with it, It's going to own us, you know, and this goes with anything, whether you just are out of a breakup or not, whether you had trauma from your childhood, right? If you're not, when you're denying that that happened or when you don't dive into it, it's going to own you. So I always encourage people to um, basically start off by crafting a breakup story of strength. Mm. Oftentimes, I think we tell the story as kind of a victim. And I want to encourage people that after it's ended, try to reckon with your story and craft some sort of breakup story of strength. The reason why we do this is that it doesn't so that it doesn't have this crazy power over us. It also allows us to give a voice to what has happened to us. Um, it's also really therapeutic. I mean, writing it down, speaking it out, processing can be very, very therapeutic. We can also find the lies in our story and the shame, and we can start seeking truth over those things. And this is where we're empowered to say, this is what happened, but now I can write the brand new ending. So here are kind of the steps to reckoning, if you will, okay? So the first thing is to recognize and just really give a weight to like something bad happened right you know I I hate this but like when people at church or wherever you are like how are you doing you're like you know I don't know I'm not that good but but it's fine God's great and I'm gonna get through this and a lot I'm like you don't have to end every sentence with a silver bow you really don't actually you can just say hey something really bad happened and I'm working through that right now right stop empathize you know just period stop Mm -hmm. so recognize that something happened to you and what the more you recognize it the more you say it out loud the less power it has over you and this is even like brain stuff right i mean you know way more about Mm -hmm. that than i do but the more you acknowledge something the less power it has over you desensitized exactly it's like you're you're weakening that root every time you say it Uh, So the first thing is recognize. The second thing is find a healthy, safe group of people to talk it out with. Uh, Very, very, very important. Don't go shouting it from the rooftop. Don't tell everybody that's definitely a mistake. Talk about it with a safe group of people. Tell them what you experienced and ask them, say, hey, I want you to help me to see the reality of the story. What things am I missing? Help me kind of through this. Um, 
that is really, really, really important. Then the third part is to actually write it down. So take a pen to paper, get away, do what you gotta do, get in the headspace and write it down. It doesn't have to be perfect. You're not writing a novel here or <laughs> a, like you're not writing a book, um, but just write it down. You can scribble, you can write a few, like you can write short form sentences, whatever you want, write it down. And then the last step, the fourth step would be to explore it. You've written it down, then you journey through it. You reckon with what happened. You see these things and you find pockets of gold. You find areas of strength. You start seeing, oh, actually, I, I was pretty strong in this circumstance. Or you might notice a tendency. So this is a really important part, I think, right after or soon after a breakup. Um, you may have to work up to writing it, but I really think reckoning and writing the story and writing a breakup story of strength is huge, huge, huge. So that's one huge thing I recommend right after um, a breakup. Um, the second thing is obviously to go through the five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people do it as frequently right. as they should. Because it is a loss. So you're yep. still experiencing loss and it, there's still grief there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, gosh, break a breakup is like a death. It's like a death. Because one moment you're with the person, you're talking to them, you're seeing them frequently, and then they're basically gone. Right. So... Um, definitely go through the five stages of grief, you know, which are, we can say them now, if I remember all of them, it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Yeah. And I honestly didn't know those stages for a long time. And I think one of the key is, keys, at least in a breakup, is just don't sit in one stage for over too much time other than acceptance. Um, but if you're going through them, that's totally okay. So what I encourage people to do is recognize the grief and actually craft a grieving plan. And I usually say, let it be for at least 30 days. Um, you know, and this will really help you to put practical things, like have a plan of how you're gonna handle this app after the breakup. Don't just free flow it or wing it. Like, you know, it's not gonna always go the best way. Like have a plan and recognize the things that you need. And sometimes people don't even know what they need. So I'm like, well, this is a great opportunity to learn more about yourself then. So you got those three days or whatever it is back a week, now you gotta learn more about yourself. If you don't know what you need to grieve and to, to really take care of yourself, then this is a great time to do that. Um, but a lot of times in the grieving plan, there's a lot of therapeutic items as well as self-care things. So I'm just gonna give you an example of what's on or has been on some of my 30-day grieving plans, yes, okay? Please. So one thing, I do consistently, especially after a breakup, is I go on a worship walk every single day. For me, that is my time to take 20 minutes or so, and I listen to a worship soundtrack I have, and I praise the Lord, and I lament. I cry during that walk. I pray during that walk. It is my time to get it out. You know, I am like getting it out and praying and, and worshiping God at the same time. Um, I, it's such a special time in my life. And I've found pockets of time where I've had to listen to the same songs over and over and over to get the words. To internalize. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, I also work out. I try to work out. I like to get my body to move. I'm not a big working out person. I've been trying to be more, so we'll see. Check back. <laughs> um, but I try to work out and treat my body well, get out some of that stress and emotion. Um if I do end up crying and having times of crying, I will, I'll put a boundary on it. So I won't let it be uncontrolled. Like I'm not gonna cry for three hours here. It'll be 20 to 30 minutes. So if I feel it coming, I'll let the emotions move through me, but I set myself a, with a boundary. So I'm not discounting my emotions, but I'm just not allowing them to rule me. So that is another thing I just am very careful of. Always speak to a therapist. I always go back to my therapist if I'm not already seeing her. Um, I do at least one thing for myself per week, uh, you know, whether that's getting my nails did or I am going to the infrared sauna, which I love, or whatever it is, one thing for myself each week. And this is something really specific to me, but in one of my biggest breakups of my life, I went to Disneyland every two weeks. <laughs> You're a Disneyland girl. So, I mean, not for everybody and also not everyone has access to Disneyland, but <laughs> uh, it was for me a place where I needed to experience childlike joy yeah. and I couldn't really experience joy when I was so sad yeah. and really just in the grief place. But every time I went to Disneyland, I was like, I can experience joy here. Yeah. So I'm going to go. If I can't experience it daily, I will get it at Disney. 
It's like, there's nothing sad about Disneyland, let me tell you that. I know, and I know, like, I know here in California, we're just really, like... Spoiled. Yeah, we love Disneyland. Can we talk about, Mm -hmm. can we talk about what is normal Mm -hmm. to expect Mm -hmm. during that grieving process? Because I think that, like, even for me, when I had gone through breakups Mm -hmm. in the past, and probably others who have gone through it, you're like, man, like why do I still feel this way or mm. how long am I going to feel this way or and we put all these expectations on our process yeah of what should or shouldn't be happening and especially when you're a person of faith like that whole stigma of I should be stronger or I should be trusting God right. more, or just maybe just some of the feelings uh, and motions that we go through are norm that are normal to have for a person who is in a breakup right now. Like, Absolutely. You know. I mean, there's a lot of emotions you might feel. And I think the best part is, I already said this, but like, um, don't ignore your feelings, but explore them. There are a reason to, it, you need to explore them, but don't ignore them. Don't like bucket them, put them in a box and put them away and try to pretend like everything's fine. We all have different numbing or uh, coping mechanisms and, uh, and numbing is a big one of those. And so we numb by Netflix or Instagram scrolling or working or there's so many different things we do to numb. I'm actually guilty of all of those things personally. Right. And Same. so, <laughs> and we do that so that we don't have to experience the emotion truly. But like, hey, I might be angry one day and the next day I might be weeping and really sad and in the state of more depression feelings and that's totally normal the thing what I say about timelines with the breakup is people ask like oh should it be like uh some people say this myth of oh it should be the same amount of time you dated is the amount of time you need to grieve and I'm like maybe 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 not not. (laughs) it really depends Mm -hmm. and give always give yourself bucket loads of grace Bucket loads of grace. I honestly believe, you know, if you might feel great, great, great this week, that's awesome. Just know it still might keep coming up. That's okay. Like, don't be like, oh my gosh, I'm destroyed now that it came back up. No, that's okay. We're going to deal with it. Yeah. And we keep moving forward. We're always in process. We're never going to arrive at some level of perfect healingness. So it's just kind of accepting like, hey, this might come up again. That's okay. Right. Today's a bad day for me or a tougher day for me. Not bad, but tougher. And I'm so glad that you touched on the mood swings yeah. as well because <laughs> you can feel crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can feel crazy and out of control and that can be a scary and frustrating mm-hmm. thing to feel like you don't have a hold on yourself. Yeah. And it's like you're probably going to feel that way mm-hmm. right afterwards. You might have the crying spells. Yeah. Where you're and, fine or, and then you're crying in the shower or you can't sleep at night and then you're doing yeah. great one day and I'm like, oh, you're over it. You're on the mountaintop and then the next day... Like you said, you're just crying spells and mm-hmm. bringing up past stuff. And all of that is part of the process. Nothing's wrong with you. Right. It's normal. It's normal. It's normal. The main thing is we just want to keep getting curious and going under the layers and staying with it. You know, like stay with the feeling, stay with it, make yeah. sure you're monitoring, self-regulating. Um, don't let it take control over you. You know right. what I mean? And I love the journaling yes. and the writing tips. You know me. I know we've yeah. talked about this before. I'm such a I'm such a nerd about these things. I make tables and charts. Ooh, I this love is it. Feeling this is where it's coming from. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I remember after a really hard breakup, I um I ended up journaling all of my relationships up to that point mm-hmm. and what happened in every wow. single relationship. Wow. I know this is a little intense. It might not be for everybody. <laughs> But I remember doing that yeah. um, and then seeing patterns. Mm-hmm. And like, and that reminded me of what you were saying earlier about leaning into it and you might find tendencies. Yes. And so it was really hard um, because you're already in an emotional state and so kind of going back and through those things, it can kind of evoke emotions yeah. again. But I remember doing that, just yeah. like writing out every single relationship experience and why I thought I ended up in it, why I thought I chose that, right. why I thought it might have ended and things like that. And when you see patterns, that also helps going forward to say where you have now you what were once blind spots. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, oh, this is what I tend to fall into. And so doing that, like you said, writing the story and leaning mm-hmm. into it 
so helpful. So helpful. So helpful. Otherwise, we live in the dark. And we, I can guarantee you will probably, I mean, not guarantee, but it's high, much more likely that you will end up in a similar situation again if you don't take these steps. I've done it for years. I mean, 10 years of back-to-back relationships. You better believe I didn't grieve those properly. And I kept falling back into these things, kept until it was the most destructive relationship of my life. Brought to my lowest of lows where I had no option. I've lost friends. My family wasn't talking to me and I had no option. Like, you know, don't get, don't make it get to that place. I mean, I learned so much and I wouldn't change my story, but like you don't have, it doesn't have to get to that place for you to say, oh, here's some tendencies that I could recognize (laughs) and change for the future. That actually leads into my next question, which is maybe let's talk about what not to do. After a breakup, I know you're like I could write the book. <laughs> At this point, we're Let's like we could write the book of what Let's you go. know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yep. But yeah, what some things not to do that could possibly prolong the wounds or take us deeper or deter us. Yeah. You know, uh, what would you what would you say? So there's three things I believe that we think that we need to have in order to move forward. And these are the things we we should not be focusing on. So I'm gonna walk through them. The first thing is needing to know the why. Why did this end? Why did this end? I don't understand. I need to know. Many reasons, the reasons we don't know the why is because we may not be able to handle the truth if we truly knew the why. It took me a long time to realize that. Um, We get obsessed with like, no, I have to figure this out. I have to. The need for closure. Right. Like I have to have closure from this person and getting sucked into that. And and Like like your healing mm -hmm. is dependent on... Needing them, to know their exactly. Oh, and that's the next thing I'm going to talk about. Having to get it from them. Ooh, no. Okay, so <laughs> in knowing the why, what we often do is like I have to know everything. So you go into your mind and everything, or you even start stalking them, needing to know everything they're doing now. Maybe there's another woman. Maybe this. Maybe that. You're downward spiraling. And actually, what's so funny is like, um. We, we end up in such a, a layer of temptation. And like in Genesis, God's like, don't eat from the knowledge of the tree and good and evil. Don't do that. I've told you everything you need to know. But it's so tempting that she does it anyway. And look what happens. It's so destructive. And it leaves her and Adam, even Adam, totally in shame and in shambles. Like it never works out when God says, don't go after that. And you don't need to know all these things, but we do anyways. And we take that fruit and it's not, it destroys us. So, I mean, it happens in simple ways when you're in conversation and someone's like, oh, I probably shouldn't tell you this. And you're like, no, 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 please tell me. I need to know. Like, please, please, please. But then they tell you, cause you think it'll, I'll be okay. And after I know this, I'll, I'll be able to move on. But almost 99% of the time, it makes you feel worse. Right. Almost 99% of the time. Especially when you're not emotionally capable and ready to handle that. Maybe in six months, you're ready to hear some of that information. Right now, a week after, a month after the breakup, no, you ain't ready. Um, (laughs) So there's a difference between knowing and knowing too much. And I think often we want to know too much and focus on all these details and getting that full, like you just said, the closure. Um, So I always say stop focusing on the why and focus on instead what to do to move forward. So instead of asking why questions, start asking what did I learn Um, or what can I do to move forward now? Maybe what unrealistic expectations did I have? What positive change could I impart in my life for the future? What does God want me to do today? What has he told me? And what can I do today with that information to move forward? And trust. Like, let me tell you, girl, quick example. The heartbreak that was devastating for me where I thought I was going to marry this man, it came out of nowhere. It was a totally healthy relationship. And I'm so thankful for how God kind of prepared me through that. But for that. But after, you know, it didn't make sense. There was no real reason. In fact, in the breakup, he said, you are the perfect girlfriend. I've never been so in love in my entire life. This is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. But I just don't know. I don't have peace about marrying you. And for me, it's like, there's not really that much concrete in there. Like if I'm like, there's not to understand the why it would drove, it would have driven me crazy because nobody in our community, no one around us ever saw that coming, you know, and didn't make sense to anyone else. So I had to trust and put that at the throne of God's feet being like, I don't understand this. 
makes no sense. And instead, when I focus on what to do to move forward, continued with my grieving, you know, what I will say is six months after that, I saw him. It was a tough moment for me. I hadn't seen him in six months. And I kind of re-grieved again. And in that re-grieving time, God started giving me visions. And he started showing me pictures of my life versus his life and where he wanted to take me versus where he was going to take this guy. And it was so different. And I wasn't ready or prepared to see that because I would have been in denial about that right after the breakup. But with healing and better tools, I was ready for that information. And I still come back to that vision. I'm like, I have so much peace now, personally. Um, Maybe on paper, it didn't fully make sense then, but I get it. I see where God was leading our lives in different directions. Could not have seen that or wasn't ready to see that right after the breakup. Uh, another thing is like this whole, yeah, needing closure. And what usually we, we do with the needing closure is we're like, I have to reach back out and ask them more questions. Um, I, and like they, I need to get them to say this in order for me to be able to move on. Oh my goodness. That is not what we need. It's a trap. It's such a trap. It's a trap. We, the (laughs) only closure we're really going to get is from God, to be honest with you. Um, we don't need closure from that person. We, forgiveness is a choice and we, we can choose that. I don't know. Actually forgiving that person is more for us than it is for them because it releases us from resentment and anger and bitterness. But I always say this, no girl, guy, whoever's listening, keep your dignity, keep your strength and keep your power. Do not reach back out to them to ask more questions. If you are really, really, really tempted to do so, and I'm saying this from experience because I've done it, Um, write them down, write whatever you think you need to say, write a letter out if you need to say it to them, but don't actually send it. Don't do it right now. And I would say if you feel that now, wait a while until you actually do it. Pray through it, seek counsel. Should I reach back out? Should I write this letter? Should I do this? Let me tell you, when I've done that, because I felt really strongly, I need to write a letter to my ex or I need to ask him these more questions. And I wrote them down and I I was like, I'm going to, I really need to do this. A month later, it was very clear. No, do not do that. You don't need that because what it, most of the time, what it is, if we're being really real is it's an excuse to talk to them. It's an excuse to reconnect back to them. You're struggling with that detachment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, a lot of times you want them to change their mind. So that you're making that connection to be like, hey, remember me? Hey, yeah, you made a mistake. Um, and and that's if we're being honest, a lot of the time that's our intention. Or it's a reason to keep talking about them to other people and keep that in conversation all the time. It's like, I can't move past this because I need closure from them. And so you just constantly talk about them all the time. And it's you're not moving on. It's a way to keep it alive. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. The relationship has died, but you can't um, make... You can't accept that yet, so you keep talking about it to keep it alive in some sense. So needing closure is not a real thing that we need from that person. Uh, you know, journal it out again. Keep it. Keep accountable to friends. The last thing I think we do is that. Like we go through the what if I had done this differently? What if I had done that differently? The what ifs are crippling and women tend to ruminate a lot on this because we're socialized kind of in a way to that we have to be more responsible for the relationship. And um, but when we do that, it all it does is increase Mm self-blame. It increases resentment for ourselves or the other person. It can sometimes make us just be attached to them again. Uh, And it will almost always prolong the healing process. I'm all about the learning and the growth from it, but don't go back into what if, what if, what if. Girlfriend, most likely you did things wrong. That's that everybody. The guy did things wrong too, or if guys are listening, vice versa. But like we... You know, that is ruminating on that and being like, well, if only I'd done this differently. I got to let him know that, like, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. Things will be different. No, don't. mm -mm. That's proving yourself. That's being in performance mode again. If you really notice some areas where you failed, that's awesome because (laughs) you can now fix those things. It's like what we've been talking about. So I want to challenge everyone with a breakup boundaries challenge, okay? This is where it's like, these are the things that you should do right now. (laughs) Right now. Right now. Um, (laughs) Because it's all about protecting your mind. But I would say get rid of anything specific that reminds you of your ex. 
Last time, you know, in this apartment where we're at right now, I had to redecorate a lot because my ex that I thought I was going to marry helped me do everything in here. Mm. And every just being here, which is my safe place, felt like him. And so I kind of redecorated and my mom came out. We had a girls weekend. We went to Home Goods. It was awesome. And it allowed me to feel like this space is new, even if it's just rearranging furniture. I mean, make it new. Um, I say remove old photos or set them aside somewhere in a locked folder. Like, we want to keep the memories, okay, if that's really what you want, but keep it aside. And now on Instagram, you can archive Exactly, them. girl. Exactly. Archive it. Archive, it. <laughs> archive that. Um, unfollow and defriend, potentially. Or, or hey, now there's a beautiful thing on Instagram called the mute button. You can mute their profile, mute their stories, which means they don't you don't unfollow them, but you don't see any of their notifications, okay? Another thing is I prefer, and I always say, like, have strong boundaries with communication, and usually cold turkey is a better way to go. It's usually the best way to go, unless, like, there's some outstanding circumstance where you can't, then have really strong boundaries with how you communicate with them. But I typically say cold turkey, go cold turkey. And I know it's so hard, but take ownership of yourself. You are strong and you need that time. Through time and space and distance, yeah, maybe you can start talking to them in a friendly right. setting. But right after the breakup, you need to separate. And that's so hard to hear mm-hmm. in the in the freshness of a breakup. Oh, because yeah. Because I remember having gone through one and, you know, the person totally defriended, cut off everything. You go from this closeness. And I remember at first being like, how dare they? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like we had, we shared all this, had mm-hmm. all this time and you could just cold turkey that fast. And I was upset. I was a little, I felt a little resentment about yeah. that. Um, because I thought like, you know, I'm fine. We're fine. Like we don't mm-hmm. have to unfriend, but really it was a really good thing. And, uh, and like looking back, it's like when you keep them as a, you keep them around consistently. You're it's almost like you keep poking at the wound. Mm-hmm. You keep you're leaving that door a little bit. Yep, and you're leaving yeah. that door a little open. So exactly. Just let, uh, don't touch it. Let it heal. Let it heal. Yeah. You let know. the wound heal. Don't pick at it. It's hard <laughs> because I know, and you could probably speak to this too. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of girls, and I felt this way in the past, where it's like, but we could still be friends. Right. You know right. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where it's like, you know. We could still be friends and then see where it goes. And so that whole aspect of even just remaining close friends right. after the breakup. Here's the deal. I believe friendship can happen for some people. And it's very situational if we're going to talk about that in a brief second. Because I yeah. do have friends uh, that are my exes. Mm-hmm. But it's very specific. The ex I keep referring to, that was my biggest heartbreak, I would say, in my life. I am friendly with him. I'm not friends with him. We don't have a friendship in terms of catching up. Like, we don't catch up, see how each other's doing. I haven't seen him in over a year. You know, like, but if we do have any interaction over text, it's very brief and very friendly and very kind-hearted. So friendly. If I ever saw him, I would be like, hello, my gosh, I hope all is well. But... That was such a deep thing. I pictured him as my husband. I'm not going to be close friends with him. And he's with another woman now, and it's wonderful. But, like, that's it changes the dynamic of everything. Um, I really believe that, yes, sometimes it is possible, and sometimes it isn't. And sometimes – and that's okay. Either one is okay. I think you have to be real with yourself on what is really setting you back right now and what do you really need. Very quick example. With that ex I'm referring to – After a month of cold turkey, I made contact and it was tough for me, but we had very lovely contact and it was started a conversation and girl, let me just tell you, I started thinking like he's going to change his mind. I think he misses me. He said all the things I wanted him to say, right? Which is why we usually reach out because we want them. And then he's saying, and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. He's going to change his mind. And then eventually he said these words. And I know he did not mean this in a mean way, but I was like, dang. He eventually was like, hey, you know what? I don't want to mislead you. And you will. I, I want you to know that um, you deserve to be someone's first choice. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And I, it was at that moment that I realized I will be. I will be someone's first choice. 
And it, it, it's hard. It's a really hard sting. But I realize, like, I'm not his first choice. Oh, my gosh. I'm letting this door back open. But he's never going to choose me like that. And that's okay. But, like, I'm allowing myself to live in that false hope by having contact with him. That's what the contact is. It's false hope a lot of the times. So after that, I had to do something drastic. I blocked him from everything. And it was not mean. It was not right. malicious. It was not ill-hearted. It was no. for your own healing. Yeah. For your own boundaries. Because I couldn't even let, what was even more than me seeing his profile was seeing him interact with mine on social media. Him watching my stories, stories. liking my photos. I was like, little small hope, little small hope. Oh, and then I found myself, if I'm being really honest, doing stories only because I knew he was going to watch them. That's real. And I wanted to look cute. And oh, yeah. So I had to block him because if you block him, block them, you can't see their profile. They can't see yours. And so there's no temptation because if you unfollow them and they have a public profile, you can still type their name in and go to their profile. Come on. You still can. So blocking was huge for me. And I went to a different service time and I just cut him out for a few months. And it was the best thing I ever did for myself in that in that healing part. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that is what not, well, do that. <laughs> yeah. Some of those things don't do that. And then yeah. yeah, take ownership of boundaries after a breakup. Boundaries are huge. Now let's talk to the person who was broken up with mm-hmm. in that, in light of everything that you're saying, yeah. maybe unexpectedly, you know, yeah. didn't see it coming. How do you move mm-hmm. past those real feelings of abandonment rejection and not feeling worth choosing yeah you know because we have sometimes these christian cliches where it's like but jesus chose you on the cross you Mm -hmm. know and jesus died for you so you're Mm -hmm. you know and and we know these things you know mentally and stuff but there's still this real human aspect of rejection that you deal with that's natural Mm-hmm. Because your experience with this person, they the truth is that they did not choose you. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so that that's so easy to internalize. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you reckon? I like that word you used yes. earlier. How do you reckon with that? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'll say is you're not alone. Um, I think rejection is something we all go through. Small thing, small rejections, big rejections, heartbreak are all over the place. I mean, you aren't just heartbroken by romantic relationships. You might be heartbroken by um, your family life and the fact that it's not what you thought it was going to be. You may have to grieve that, right? And so I think, especially though, in seasons of breakups, it's like this obvious rejection. It's a very apparent, it's a very, all those lies are like, I see them coming as a cloud, like coming to overtake you, right? And it's like Niagara Falls of emotions and negativity and they're all swirling around and we're trying to grasp for air and we're like, (gasps) what do we do? Um, Because something we, the way we pictured our lives, something we so wanted and desired is now getting ripped out from underneath us and it just feels like so debilitating um the thing that it comes back to is where are we anchored to truly Mm -hmm. and what are our love lines because if our love line is that person and how they see me um then if that love line is taken away then you will be destroyed for our time being Um, so for me, I, you know, that, that means that our identities are tied to those circumstances and that's really tough because when our identity is tied to circumstances, those circumstances are unpredictable and unchangeable and we can't control them. We can't control anything except for ourselves. So if we find that our love line is connected to circumstances, relationships, people, we will find ourselves feeling devastated. So for me, I think it, it actually starts before relationships, which is why I try to encourage people, this is the work you need to do now. So if you're in a heartbreak that has destroyed you, do this work now before ever considering being in another relationship. But your love line has to be so strong on God, but also understanding love for yourself. We, you know, we say, I know God loves me. I know God loves me, but it's head knowledge and not truly heart knowledge. Right. Connecting those two is so vital and this takes a long process and it's, you know, it's, it's a process of life. I feel like we have to do it consistently um, throughout our life and we have to go on that journey of self-love. So getting to those roots of what are you truly anchored in and 
how do you truly find love for yourself? Um, because it says all over the Bible, God's steadfast love endures forever. And my favorite Psalm is Psalm 139, where it talks about like he hemmed us in um, before and beyond and all of this stuff. And he knows every single one of our steps. We can read that, but then we don't really internalize it like we should. So go on this journey of self-love because if you can truly love yourself to such a point that you can embrace your insecurities, you can feel confident, and you know how much you have to bring to the table, when you're in a season of rejection, I mean, it's going to still be hard, but you can, you can way more easily come back to like, hey, I know that something is going to be incredible for me and it's going, it's out there. You know, my life, my story doesn't end by this situation. Um, But when your love line is attached to a person or a circumstance or situation, it will devastate you. So if you're in that place of devastation, go on that journey of self-love. Treat yourself the way you want to be treated in relationship, like love on yourself you, who says only men can right. romance us, right? We can I dated romance ourselves. For Girl, years, hundred percent. Myself. What do we like <laughs> about ourselves? What unique mm-hmm. way do we see the world? Um, and oftentimes, the, the lies of rejection. Let me be that real. They don't just start in that relationship. They start from somewhere much deeper, right? And it just gets re brought out. Yeah, yeah. they're just re exposed. So yeah. a lot of times, we have to go back to family of origin and where did these lies start rooting Mm -hmm. and where did my love get taken away my self-love get taken away uh and so it's not an easy answer but it's an exciting one because we are in more control of ourselves than we i think think sometimes right Mm -hmm. i always say like we're more adaptable than we think we are yeah yeah and i love what you said about not this is not the end of your story because i feel like we confuse the chapter with Mm -hmm. the whole book Right. right, you know what I mean? Where it's, it's like it's the end of a chapter yes. in your life. It's yes. not the end of the entire book. Yes, good. And your love line, just like your source. Yeah, you know. And it's like it's so funny. We hear terms like, uh, like I die without this person, or I can't live without <gasps> oh, them. Oh, I'm like, like run what, for what the were hell. you? Where were you before they came? Were you were you dead? Like you know, you had a life. Oh yeah. Like thinking about the times that you had joy before this person came mm-hmm. into your life, or the times that you enjoyed life, or had peace and whatnot, fulfillment, purpose before this person, and sometimes. Like getting out of that black and white thinking that you get in tunnel vision with this person and realizing, oh, wait, I can experience joy Mm -hmm. aside from this person. I have before. I can experience fulfillment outside of this person. It's not tied to them because I can remember other times that I had these moments without them. And I can have that again. Right. You know, because I'm not sourced. And, you know, God had a plan for me before them. He'll continue to have a plan for me after them. Mm -hmm. But you get, like you said, you just, all your expectations get put and your future gets wrapped up. Into. All in this person. All in that person. And it's so great to realize that we can have joy besides that just from that person because it's way too much of an expectation to put on that person right when you're married that's also not guaranteed like to stay like something could happen god forbid a tragedy happens are you going to be so like destroyed to know if you have children and your husband dies like what's going to happen to you if your love line is um attached only to the way your husband loves you you, you won't be able to do anything. You won't be able to function. We aren't guaranteed, again, that we won't go through hardship. And that's okay. But it's, like, empowering to say, like, I can actually survive these hardships. I am ready for battle. I always tell people, if you are in a relationship now, dating, and you find yourself thinking, like, if this person left tomorrow, I would, I would die. Or I would be so devastated. And, like, this is a red flag. You need to, I'm not saying get out of it right away, but you need to reassess right now. Right. Because that's a really bad place to be. Um, yeah. Because you are putting far too much of your identity into that relationship working right. out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's natural to not want it to end, but if you're like, you know, getting to the place of realizing I will be okay. Yeah. No matter what the outcome of this relationship. Yeah. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And then that's so much healthier. Yeah. So, you know, and we kind of touched on this a bit. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the person who feels like 
they'll never recover from this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're in heartbreak, it's so easy to project that moment in that heartbreak into the future because you feel that way now. Mm -hmm. You kind of feel like you're always going to feel like that or you can't see the other side of it. You know what I mean? You wonder if you'll ever recover and be the same, if you'll ever find that joy again. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who's feeling stuck Mm -hmm. in that? And feeling hopeless, like, are they ever going to reach another side to this? So it's not going to be easy, but it's possible, and it is so rewarding. And this is kind of a hard truth, but you have to be able to feel the pain to heal the pain. Mm. And um, at the end of the day, you are responsible for you. If you're not healing, why aren't you healing? You're responsible for you. So if it's not happening... You got to look into what what you're doing that's holding yourself back. You're the only person responsible for how your healing journey ends up. And you won't ever fully recover if you don't put in the work. And so it's not like an easy charge. Right. Um, there, I want to tell that person that it's going to get better, but you have to do the work. And I don't discount in the slightest that you may be in a place that just feels like totally like devastation, but you do have more power than you sometimes think. And even if it's taking small steps, I'm not telling you to tomorrow take a giant leap, like take small steps, small steps in that direction, but take control of it and invite God in, pray and cry as much as you need to, right? Laments are huge. And I feel like we forget about that. Two thirds of the Psalms are laments, like cry and invite God in, like yell, like do whatever you got to do, girl. Um, But do the work and take it, take it one step at a time, but don't don't leave it to the wayside you are in control of your own healing um and there is purpose to be found in your pain and over time i believe that that purpose will make itself um readily seen and you will be so much more clear on why these things happen to you uh this is just a moment in time right now again it's just the chapter i love that it's just the chapter of your entire story of your book Mm -hmm. uh it will get better i love that you're talking about proactivity yeah you know and even in my own experience the more proactive I was mm-hmm. after that breakup the more healing I saw because you're oh, putting yeah. in that work and it's not like it's not like the getting busy to distract yourself right yeah. but it is that one step at a time like I know for me um in getting over a relationship that I thought was going to be you know the rest of my life the first it was the one simple thing I did was say I'm going to go to celebrate recovery at church yeah. like it was one thing it was just that one step yeah and then the next step was like I think I was I ended up reading a book yeah. that dealt with codependency and it was just small steps you know today I'm gonna journal like five of my future goals just mm-hmm. to get me out of the the tie-in the knot of my future is tied to this person mm-hmm. by even writing future goals apart from this oh, person it's like oh I, God still can have a plan for me aside yeah. from, you know, but I love that. Like, be proactive, take the steps that you need to take, even mm-hmm. if it's small, and and accountability, too. Yes. Did you ever, because I know, like, I would mm-hmm. tell a friend, like, I'm going to try to go to Celebrate yeah. Recovery, and she put it in her calendar, yes. and she would check oh, in man. and be like, hey, how did it go? And then I'm like, oh, it was amazing. And not doing that healing process alone. Yes, in those... invite your close people in. I mean, don't rely on them so much that they're your therapist because they're right. not. But definitely invite people in to say, here's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, hey, for this next month, I want to meet with you once a week or twice this month. Yeah. Can we make that happen? Uh, I really need time, like, you know, filling the time, not making yourself busy, but making sure you're doing healthy, active steps and yeah. and keeping people in your life. Like, date your girlfriends. Go have a girls' yeah. night. Like, you know, whatever it is, date yourself. Um, cliche kind of statements, but it's true. Like, the true. beauty of accountability, there's something so loving about having people around you that are walking with you. Right. Feeling so alone. They're, oh, my gosh. I was going to say, because like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. a lot of times – We've isolated ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've been so wrapped up in that relationship that yeah. by the end of it, you've isolated yourself so much that all your love, support, and belonging needs have been wrapped into this one person. Oh. And so unwrapping that and extending it to those around you and receiving that back from them. Mm-hmm is healing. And if you've pushed people out of your life like I did, you know. <laughs> I think we've all Yeah. I think we've all done pushed that. Pushed people out of your life. Point. Hey, 
you know what? If they're truly amazing people, all you can do is go to them and take ownership of like, hey, I was really wrapped up in this. I'm totally heartbroken right now. I realize I pushed you away and I'm so sorry. I still want to be your friend and I love you and can you forgive me? Right. You know, like showing that humbleness of like, I'm really sorry. I know you may not even want to be friends with me. I'm I'm uh, working through why I got to that place and why I push everyone away, but I really still love you and I would love to be your friend still. You know, just taking ownership of it. Oftentimes we are too ashamed to go there, but I'm like, gosh, if they're a good person, Mm -hmm. most likely they'll be like, gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you you came to me, like if you, like for some reason isolated and I didn't hear from you and I was checking in, just like me and you, our friendship. Yes, exactly. And for whatever reason, you like fell off the side of the earth. And then you came back to me and was like, hey, I know I've been, like, absent. This is what I went through. But as my friend who I love and care about and what you've been through, like, absolutely. It's like, let's let's talk about it. What's going on? What happened? You know, what can I do to help prevent this from happening the next time? Or what is even, like, a code word we can have? Yeah, it's like, oh, you're getting to that point. Or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If they're a true friend, just naturally – they should, you know, it should, the concern is always love and support. And yeah. if they're not, if like, girl, bye. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Then they might not. And maybe that's where they're maybe at. Maybe that's, that's the boundaries they need in their life. It's like, okay. But, and, and yeah. like, you can't control, you, I always say like, um, we have to, the, a huge learning for me this last year is the beauty of being misunderstood mm-hmm. and accepting that we're going to be misunderstood and we can't convince everybody to like us. Right. So, um, you know, if you come to someone humbly apologizing, hey, I pushed you out of my life, and they they are like, okay, but I still can't have you in my life. All right. You know what? You can't control right. every part of it. You can only control yourself. You just did amazing thing. You came and apologized. Right. And maybe they'll come back around. Maybe they won't. God, right. I really believe, keep searching. Don't let that, yes. Get like, plugged into you know, community. Yeah. There's other people. Hopefully, you have more than just... One friend. There's a million <laughs> like, people on the planet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Somebody's gonna. Somebody. <laughs> Somebody's going to be my friend. Somebody. Somebody, somebody, somebody help me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Girl. So my last question. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like you were saying kind of in the beginning, and we've experienced this where it's like, especially, this is another dichotomy that comes with Christian dating and mm-hmm. relationships. Uh that can, that's kind of unique to the Christian dating world, which is like, God, I could have sworn like you show me it was this person and you intertwine your <laughs> faith in God with your faith in the relationship. Yeah. And so when that relationship doesn't work out, you do have that crisis of faith where it's like, am I as close? God, are you yeah. there? Do you care? Was I as close to you as I think? Do I hear from God? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. You have the faith community that's like, oh, you guys are perfect together. Oh, gosh. Or yeah. you guys, and just off, the other thing is, just because you're both Christian doesn't necessarily mean you're meant to be together. No. That's, sometimes we do that, like, well, because they're Christian, it's like, there's so I'm many other Because I'm single and they're factors. single. Let's match them up. No. Yeah. So many other factors to consider. So uh, <laughs> but going back to, you know, just... Sometimes there are some where you get angry with God, you get bitter mm-hmm. with God, you push him away because mm-hmm. you let this bad he let this bad thing happen to you that mm-hmm. hurts so much. So it's like the the um, urge to then reclaim your own life by taking things in your control and pushing God away through the pain. Yeah. So can we talk about like how to instead counteract what might be even feel natural in that mm-hmm. moment? And lean into faith or continue to see God is good and sovereign and trusting him through such a hard time. And just that whole choosing to how to lean in rather than uh, fall away when everything within you and all the pain that's speaking yeah. is kind of overtaking that. I think the biggest thing is we have to lament and, you know, we, we're having our Job moment, right? Like Job went through astronomical things. God took everything away from him. And and he ha, he was plagued with some awful, awful things. Like I don't think all any of us will really understand what he had to go through. And he was questioning it the whole... I mean, he was like claiming... He was like, God, what in the world? What in the world? But he never let his faith fall to the wayside. He still was like, 
like claim that God was his almighty father. So I think it's okay to wrestle with God. I think it's okay to question things. I think it's okay to yell and scream and like, I don't understand, you know, lament, have those moments of crying out. I mean, Tim Keller has an amazing sermon called praying your tears. Mm. And it was huge for me uh, because he basically talks about when you're crying, when you're really upset or really angry, that's okay. Pray through that invite God in like crying and praying that's true lamenting on your hands and knees like get on the ground and do it and I also say like do these things in solitude like get a lot of solitude time in um before Jesus started his ministry this is huge before he started his ministry he went to the desert for 40 days alone so before you're going to do anything phenomenal in your life I really believe you need that healing you need that time one-on-one with God to really get clear and we need to go into that place of solitude and sort things out before we move again forward. So take a lot of time of intentional solitude. I'm not saying like be alone and then sit in your feels so much that then you're lost and more confused. You know, crying with God, you know, invite him into that space. So I would say just invite him in and be, it's okay to wrestle with God. I, I think that sometimes as Christians, we we think that we can't do that, like questioning God isn't okay. But I'm like, no, we have to be a community that is not tying every sentence with a silver bow and still be okay with it. Life is not a silver bow. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I think you're not a bad Christian because you're like, I don't really see God in this right now and I'm not sure what's going on. Doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Some of the most profound people in Christianity have gone through those moments. We need to go through those moments, in fact, because it allows us to actually come to more truth and clarity within ourselves. If we never question things, we'll never truly understand them. Reconcile with our reality. Yes. Yeah. So I think questioning, wrestling, that's great. Absolutely. And don't be the person at church that's like, you know, I'm going through a hard time, but God is good, but everything's great. Like, yeah. I give you permission to say, like, I'm going through a bad time. I'm questioning God right now, period. Literally, like, full stop and work through it. You're not going to stay there forever. But some of my best friends have gone through seasons of this, and it has been so rewarding and incredible in their lives. I know it has been for me as well, where you're just like, God, where are you? Why didn't you show up? Why isn't this? Like, God is always there. There's always things happening for a reason. And, you know, allow yourself to go through that season of lamenting, bringing him into that space, having a lot of solitude, and feeling those questions, let them move through you. I think that is where we... Some we, where we discover our most profound um, mm-hmm. realities, um, and we get the most clear on on what's really going on in our life and what God wants to do with us moving forward. Right, and just having that, basically, what you're saying, like mm-hmm. an authentic relationship yeah. with God. I love it's again. All this is tying into the our previous podcast a conversation with Dr. Therese about grief oh, and so you guys great. are both you guys are awesome you guys are <laughs> both talking you guys both uh, are saying you know just allowing yourself to go through the motions it's part of the process and not shaming mm-hmm. the process and God can handle Oh, our God doubts, can handle it. you know, yes. if, if Jesus on the cross is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes. He's questioning, but it's not a, there it is. He's, but he still knows he's mm-hmm. questioning within his knowledge of God, but it's yeah. a human moment. Mm-hmm. And I, and like the more that we try to separate that humanity, the more dissonance we actually create by not owning yeah. up to what's really going on. Yeah, and the cognitive really dissonance on. is awful for our brains. Like, yes. we, we just let ourselves down by saying, right. everything's good, I'm fine, I'm fine, when you're really not fine. And when internally, that creates actually more dissonance, <laughs> exactly. I feel like, and more separation between your faith and your feelings as to where if you actually just lay down the table, you deal with it, you accept how you feel, then you can actually reconcile now with what you feel with your faith rather yes. than disclaiming it completely. Yeah, it's and healthier to just be real. This is how I feel. And <laughs> if, if people don't get it, you know, we, I need you. I need everyone to understand. If people don't get it, that's their own insecurity because a lot with of their people, faith. yeah, right. a lot of people are uncomfortable with like not perfectly wrapped up answers. So a lot of people are uncomfortable when you're like, I'm going through a really hard time. I'm not sure what to do right now. People are like, 
Um, but it'll be okay. You'll, right. you'll be good. You'll Trust be fine. God. It's their yeah. issue. That's their insecurity. Right. I've been that person a lot. I mean, I still sometimes struggle with like, what do I say right now? I don't know. And sometimes you right. don't need to say anything, but right. be like, I'm so sorry. I don't even know what to say, but I thank you so much for just being that vulnerable with me. Right. I mean, I'm talking to the other people now, but like, right. Yeah. If other people don't get it, that doesn't mean you're in the wrong. Right. Keep pressing through, because sometimes we're like, well, these people are making me feel like I'm crazy for having these doubts. I'm like, no, no. They just have their own insecurities with things. (laughs) Let's call it as we see it. (laughs) I was gonna say I feel stronger in my faith because of my doubts. Yeah. Like I like because I feel such a strong, you know, connection with God and in my faith, I feel, I feel safe. Mm-hmm. to have my doubts and my questions and sometimes some things I won't know on this side of an eternity yeah. and I can say that's okay yeah. you know what I'm saying and that for me makes my faith for me personally stronger yeah is to say you know what I don't know everything and I, and I don't feel comfortable with this or this makes me upset or whatever mm-hmm. it is but at the end of the day you know my faith still stands just know that God will not leave you or forsake you. He is with you. Yeah. While you're questioning, he is still there. You know, he loves right. us more than we can ever comprehend. Amen to that. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kate, okay. for... I loved our girl talk today. Yes. And, I, and I'm sure that it's not only that so many people will relate, but I'm sure that so many of things that you said will be so helpful. Mm, not only in you. people feeling less alone mm. in what they're feeling, but also looking at being solution oriented to help get unstuck we are praying for every single person who is Mm -hmm. listening to the sound of our voice on this podcast who is feeling brokenhearted and who is feeling hopeless Mm -hmm. you know and god is so near to us in that sensitivity and know that there is another side Mm -hmm. to this all the things that i felt in the moment that i could not get through or get past or thought or felt like was it or would forever change me, mm-hmm. I got past. Yeah. And now I'm looking back really mm-hmm. in a in a better place, wiser, yeah. stronger, and the same for all of us. We are more than conquerors. It's like literally so yeah. true. But wear those scars as badges of victory because yeah. they are things to show off through this journey. They will be one day. So just continue to stick with it. And I say this all from a place of I get it and I've been there and I still go through things and there's still hard times. And but it is it's a beautiful journey of life that when we can take our pain and have it not own us. So yeah, I'm praying for everyone too. Amen. Thanks guys for listening to today's episode. Until next time. <laughs>